And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to Football in Grits, but we have a crossover episode today. It is our my lovely co-host David Ubbin is off uh, caring for his offspring right now, and we will be welcoming in my my old co-host on our LSU only show hold that podcast and the the czar of all things the athletic newsletters and make sure you're subscribing to the pulse if you are not already chris branch lsu aficionado chris how are you doing today birdie it is lovely to be back on the mic with you how are you i'm doing well man yeah and now you are into i mean we basically try to talk about everything all the time anyway but now you we are doing all things sec i don't even know if i don't know your opinions on a lot of these things it'll be i mean we're, we're gonna find out it's gonna be fun <laughs> and obviously since last time we talked we we did not record last week david and i but georgia is now national champions and basically transfers have taken i mean this is not new or anything like that but trans i feel like there's in three or four new major transfers every single day and Plenty of our other shows, Andy Stables, Nicole Auerbach, The Audible, all of them, Power Hour, have have gone into depth on the national championship games. Now we have some time. I think I want to start with the kind of chaotic SEC news that is the Jane Rashada scandal. Not scandal, but saga right now. Maybe it is scandal. I don't know. It's a scandal to some people. Yeah, right? And that is that Jane Rashada, the guy who had allegedly had a $13 million NIL deal to go to Florida after having also another massive deal to go to Miami, allegedly, and then decommitting now has asked out of his NIL letter of intent, (laughs) the NLIs and NILs, and is now asking Florida to let him out after a disagreement in which they have terminated his NIL deal. And this is now the, this is the exposure of the wild, wild west that we've been like, cornily talking about right for like two years now it's like oh it's the wild wild west but it's like and there's like oh all these promises what's real what's not and everyone's like guys this has always been happening and that's true but now we are seeing like with some transparency what this world can be and obviously there's still more that's going to come out of this what was your initial reaction when you saw this it's it's such a weird thing where yes it feels like the wild wild west because it is so new to us in college football still relatively with the nil stuff and everything um i do think that kind of stuff really illuminates why we need at least a light touch of regulation on this yeah. because if you look at it through a different lens this is just a business deal that went awry and right it's like it's like almost uh, rashada is alleging a breach of contract situation pretty like, much yeah which in the business world is kind of boring, but normal. And then in That's college true. football, we're like, oh my God, can you believe it? He, he he agreed to a contract and then they're not following through on it. And it's, it's like, like, well, actually that's pretty normal for adults, but we have to true. figure out what's allowable and what's not here. Uh, I don't know. It's a whole mess. That's for sure. It is a mess. And it's like, I mean, you're right. I guess in a lot of ways, this is just a normal thing, but also we're so used to the sports world of like contracts being kind of straightforward, like, you know, in pro sports and whatnot. It's like, I can't really think other than like failed physicals of like situations where a guy is signing a contract and then just like, you know what? We're terminating it. And, and I think what, again, as we touched on, like, this is shining a light now on 
what coaches have been talking about for a few months, like for about a year now, two years now of like, hey, guys, there's some weird stuff happening with false promises or or things that like kids think a certain number and numbers get out there, but that might not be the real number. And I'm not saying this is necessarily either of those things for all indications are this was real and it got terminated, but it does show us some of that. And it's like, right. I think well, that's what kind of makes it so weird because in some ways this isn't new. Like I can promise you, I and mean, you probably have known some from following LSU over the years. Like I think we all know of situations where like a guy gets promised certain things and then maybe transfers like a year in because like some of those promises didn't happen. Like that is basically a lot of NIL stuff happening, but to now just see it this public, to see the number out there, I think that's what's so jarring. And to, I'm glad you brought up, like, this is the evidence that regulation is needed, that like you need something. And I think we're a ways away from it. Brian Kelly, who uh, LSU coach, who was you know, a pretty political person, pretty tied into a lot of people. He talked very recently about how he doesn't think any, you know, NCAA regulation is coming anytime soon. And the longer it goes, he kind of alluded to, this might have to just go. This will probably be solved by conferences, not solved, but try to solve sooner than it would be NCAA because kind of they have more power. They have more ruling ability. And I think then maybe they all can kind of team up a bit and do something. But I was about to it's, say it, it probably behooves them to behooves. all agree on something. Thank you. You like that big word? Yeah, uh, good word. But I mean, I, you know, as they're competing for athletes and somebody has a sweeter NIL regulation than another conference, like why would you not compete that way? Yeah, that's what's that's I guess that's what was happening with the states, or maybe still is happening with the states. That like remember that first year, it was like this state could do it in that state, and it's like that's an absurd recruiting disadvantage. And I think that's kind of what you're right, what's happening here. But also it's just like, what does this do for your not your opinion of Florida? Florida's gonna be fine, probably, but like it is such a chaotic situation. They're like, and this isn't normal. Like, it isn't normal for your quarterback that you built your class around to then just be like. I think it's out now. And obviously they're still hoping they're in it. Who knows what actually will end up happening out of this, but like Billy Napier could point to so much positive momentum because of this signing, because of a pretty good recruiting class, even after a bad year one. And it's like, I'm still a Napier guy. I think you and I both are generally, I think Napier people, I forget your overall thoughts on him, but it's like now just a little bit of that buzz wears off and he still has a good class. That class is really good, but it's like, you're scrambling a bit. You, your Graham Mertz is probably your quarterback this year. And, and there's just a little bit more frantic of a situation. Call me skeptical on Graham Mertz as uh, QB one. <laughs> yeah. Hot <but> take. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, there's a ton of momentum with that class. And I think that if you're a Florida fan, you could probably say we have some reasons to be excited, but totally. Uh, my foundation would be a little shaky after kind of last year's collapse. Um, this Rashada mess, which probably isn't Napier's fault, but no. it's still, I don't know. Maybe he needs to take on a more hands-on role if he can. I don't know the inner workings of that. Um, it's just a mess. And like, it would kind of scare off other recruits, right? If you, if your you NIL wing yes. is showing like, yeah, like, you know what? We can just cancel your biggest deal. That's yeah, that's a red flag. Now, remind me, I, I may have missed, like, what was the reason they terminated the contract? So I think a lot of that's still murky. G. Allen Taylor, obviously, uh, who's he yes. did a great breakdown on Friday. He kind of alluded to there may have been some kind of uh, issue between Scott Strickland, the athletic director, and, you know, some of the NIL arms involved in this. But I think a lot of that's still murky at this point. Like that, that illuminates the mess that, you know, university and NIL are not on the same page. Yep. The Gator Collective, whatever it's called. It's, it's, it's just this 
everybody's figuring it out. We're going to look back at this in five years and be like, can you imagine when we didn't like use this process that so was approved true. and regulated? But I mean, if I'm a Florida fan, I'm not super happy right now. I mean, I, I know that they have another quarterback coming in and that eases the pain a little bit, but I don't know. It's the SEC and you're dealing, you're in the same division as Georgia, which looks prime for a possible three-peat. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alabama is Alabama. LSU. Almost everyone uh, in the SEC has like positive trend lines right now. Yes, they do. It's like everyone is like either a young coach that's exciting or or they're just playing well. Like everyone is good trend lines. It's really weird right now. It is very easy to convince yourself that you're... Yeah, right. It'd be very easy if I was a Florida fan to convince myself that everything was bad and we needed to clean house again. Now that's... (laughs) That is who you are as a fan. yeah. Yeah, that's very reactive. But I'm just saying, I could see where you get that because this is just such a splashy bad thing and and to almost like bounce off florida specifically but this is almost i remember when this was all happening like when this was all really getting rolling this spring of like just complete normalization of nil i know brian kelly's stance on it and a lot of coaches i think bama does things relatively similar i think georgia even does the rest similar of like i know kelly's thing was he didn't want bidding wars he didn't want like he understands nils he's not a big nil guy like i don't think he's super psyched but still i think his stance was more we're no bidding wars and lsu is not going to basically avoid the false promises stuff avoid the like we're giving you nine when it's like and it's i think a bit more of a sustainability structure we used to talk about this on the show quite a bit like it was much more of a you know what you're getting everyone's getting everyone who's getting something is probably getting something in the same ballpark so you're avoiding some of the competition stuff but there's assurances it's like you are getting this there's it's not the bs and i think a lot more of the actual like bidding focus or negotiating focus is on the known commodities it's on the current players hey what does it take to keep this guy on campus what does it take to get this guy from the portal and i think that's one that's going to be a bigger story to your point in five years that we look back on is how this all changed recruiting in the sense of like high school is slowly being devalued. It's still going to be the bread and butter, but like it's being devalued because that's a lower percentage bet. And you'd rather put more of your resources in the higher percentage bet. It's always going to be that way. So I think that's kind of where like the LSUs are. I think, I think I could be talking completely out of my behind, but I'm pretty sure Alabama and some of the others work that way. And it's more the ones that need to claw up understandably, by the way, you know, your Tennessee's your Florida at this exact moment in time that are maybe throwing out some of the like, holy crap deals because you know, you kind of got it, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, we work for a company that used to, <laughs> used to have to claw their way up. You know, it's just kind of what you got to do sometimes, but yeah, it is just a fascinating situation. There's not too much we can even like predict right now. Cause all of it's still unfolding, but unbelievable. Birdie, I want to pull off a very expert segue plug here. Uh, that really fits, uh, David Ubbin, your normal co-host wrote a great story today that published today about Deion Sanders, Colorado. Yeah, uh, it, was really, it was really good behind the scenes. Uh, a Jeremy Bloom cameo, uh, mm. who's, who's a big mover and shaker there that kind of helped yeah. get Dion to Boulder. But the, the thing that I think relates here is that Dion told uh, the Colorado people that he has a 40-40-20 system. Did you read about this? I, I have a bookmark, but I've not read the whole story yet. So he, he says that the roster makeup that he wants is 40% grad transfers, 40% regular transfers, and 20% high school people, high school players that are you know homegrown talent you could say and i think those ratios are going to be different at a place like florida like lsu like alabama these big hitters but i do think it's fascinating fascinating. to kind of construct it that way and that say if you're if i'm a florida fan and i'm on the other precipice i'm saying i mean 
Billy Napier coaches ass off this year. They could win a couple surprising games. And all of a sudden, the top QB transfer on the market wants to come to Florida to play in Florida's offense that looks great, et cetera. That's also really, really feasible. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, you get it's this really recruiting loss. You have this recruiting loss. But six months later, it doesn't matter because you have 30 transfers in the portal, some of them shocking, you know, appearances. And all of a sudden, next year, you went 10 and three. And you're ranked number five preseason because you get two people. So, no, that's a really, really helpful way to view it. I mean, you see it with LSU, you see it with so many places, like you freak out about some loss and it's like, oh, yeah, I just got this guy that's actually more helpful. And like, I, I think that, yeah, you're right that like Colorado is probably doing it in a way that you don't want to do it everywhere. But I think this is one of those things that's going to make college football a little more fun, right? Is the way there's going to be just different ways to build a program. Like, that's right. like what nerds like me and you love about like the NBA or NFL of like, okay, this team, like the, you know, the Pacers of the past 20 years, right. Or the Mavericks, like they don't ever want a top five pick, you know, they want to always be just competitive and making sure they can do things. And it's like, and I think you're going to see that sometimes with those programs that are a little more transfer focused. Cause it's like, always trying to keep your floor high. And then you also right. are going to have your others that are going to be like, again, it's not a one-to-one comp because it's not draft picks, but like, you know, in the NBA, you're going to have your tankers. And I think college football, you're going to have your guys that are like, high school development is our bread and butter. I want to find the unknown three-star, but that's risky because guys might leave if you make them too good. And it's like, it's going to be fun to watch the yin and yang of just the, there's no right way to build a program. How do different programs need to do it? And that is going to be so many people view it as a negative. I think it's going to add a level of intrigue of like, wow, this team won a title that way, and this team won a title that way, and that's awesome. There's going to be. I, I talk with with Chris Brow, uh, who helps me with the pulse, and you know, it's kind of a, a big guy around here. Um, that <laughs> well, I mean, so these schools, are, yeah. these schools are going to have to hire GMs. Like mm-hmm. this is going to be an NFL GM role that opens Absolutely. up, especially at big schools. Florida should probably have one. All these big schools should have one that a like. Uh, delegate talent evaluation out the portal and make decisions like that. And also liaise with NIL collectives to make sure they so don't true. terminate a $13 million deal. Like if, if the NCAA or conferences aren't going to regulate it, like regulate yourself and project some stability to where a kid is going to want to come to be. And his parents are going to feel good about it. And he's going to feel good about it as a 17 year old, rather than I'm going to take the biggest offer and then get terminated. And then all of a sudden Rashada's in purgatory and we don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's just, yeah, because it's like, no, I, I couldn't agree more because it's like the GM thing. People have been trying to make the GM thing happen in college football for about 10 years, right? Like LSU was right. one of the first with Austin Thomas, but it was always this tough balance, it's right? It's different. It, no, it was, right? Because before it was like the guy who got GM roles was like basically a personnel guy, which is basically means you're like a not that I'm not insulting anybody, like a not that highly paid, just recruiting guy, like on staff. And right. it's like, how much power did that guy really have to like make decisions? It was still the head coach's program. Right. And, and on the other end, it would be like, a position coach or a coordinator who was the recruiting coordinator. And that's too much to put on them in this modern version of like, you can't ask a guy to be like running your offense or being your special teams guy. And then also like you have to manage NIL, like all this stuff, like in such a detailed way. So I think that's a really good point that like, those were two fake versions of it. And I yes. think now you're going to be like, Oh, you actually need a real gem who like matters, who has like an authority. Yeah. Yes. Like a real, like we're nowhere near like, I am not saying an NFL GM would ever go to college, but like, are we that far from a program giving like the number two of the, I don't know, the 
text like the Colts and being yeah. like, you know, these these programs pay eight hundred thousand dollars a year for their D line coach. So it's like, right. yeah, they might pay five hundred thousand dollars to like, I don't know how much a, court, a Denver two makes, but like to go do that here, like that's not that insane, is it? No, and it's like GM before. I'm not saying it's even the same skill set, so they might not want that guy. But. The GM before was like, to me, from what I gather and what I know, is like kind of like really logistics based. Um, to where you could be yep. doing really important recruiting stuff, or you could also be like uh, putting together itineraries for road games, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Which I envisioned. I envisioned this kind of role is not that, or yeah. if it falls under their purview, they're going to delegate it three rungs down the ladder. Like this is going to be guys who are liaising. It's almost like a lobbyist with businesses in the area. I just, I think it's going to happen that way. I'm fascinated to watch it. I kind of hate that some of these athletes are getting churned up in the transition that, you know, they're, they're kind of getting bit by this, but um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's probably always going to be this first year is always going to be a little like, and it's still, it's still better than not paying them and then punishing them for not getting money. So tattoos. Yeah. Yes. 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 No, it's a good point. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Before we get to our next topic on the show, we'll be basically... We want to dive into kind of one reviewing this past year, but also like looking forward, like who's in position, who are the people you're most scared of as an LSU fan, right? Or like, who are the people that just seem to be in the right place? But like to segue into that, but also some other news we wanted to touch, Ole Miss is kind of doing some interesting stuff right now, right? And we can kind of, it's like just this morning, five-star LSU transfer quarterback, Walker Howard, uh, who I think a lot of us really very much believe was going to TCU. Yes. I think the Garrett Riley move to Clemson probably played a part in this, but now Walker Howard is going to Ole Miss. And to be clear, I don't think Walker Howard is going there to start right away. Jackson Dart's returning. They still might get Spencer Sanders, but still big news. And on top of that, obviously last week, I believe Ole Miss, you know, hired away. Um, I am Pete Golding. He's the longtime Alabama defensive coordinator and kind of been a rising star in college football for the last five, 10 years as their defensive coordinator. And I just think Ole Miss, 
I'm curious your thoughts as well, especially as somebody kind of close to that rivalry and whatnot. But like, I think I looked at this past year's Ole Miss team as this kind of like patching hole, not really sustainable kind of thing of like, there's no infrastructure. It's just a bunch of top heavy transfers that don't know how to play together yet. And right now I kind of, I sit back to bring in a, a good amount of talent back. Some gone, obviously. I love the golden hire. We can get into the golden hire too, but you know, you have Walker Howard now on to be your next star. And it's like, and we know Lane Kiffin's a great coach. Like all of a sudden it's like almost looks like they are in position, especially after him turning down opportunities at Auburn and whatnot. Right. It's like, oh, Ole Miss might be building saying, what where do you think they can go though? Where's what's your reaction to all this? I mean, what a what a turn for Ole Miss because if you remember last year, he started eight and oh or eight and one. Um, eight and oh, seven and oh, and then eight and finished one. eight and four. Yeah. Right. So they, they were a little fraudy last year. Yeah. Um, like that you first said, seven top, games was very, very easy. Yes. Like, like top heavy, you know, I, I just remember that LSU game. Uh, LSU was just clearly the better team. And then yeah. everybody else that played them was clearly the better team going forward. Yep. Um, but Lane Kiffin is a great offensive coach. Nobody will dispute that. Uh, and then you think, okay, well, Lane's going to go to Auburn where they have a little more, a little more money, a little more backing, oh, yeah. a, little, a little more of a big hitter in the SEC. We all would have understood. Yeah. Yeah. And so he doesn't go for whatever reason. I, I don't pretend to know the, uh, the inside of that negotiation, but uh, I'm still surprised that he didn't go to be honest, but Auburn's a mess uh, forever and always seems. Um, and then, so, okay, but like almost is still going to be kind of fraudy next year. Right. And then you get peak holding. And Walker Howard, I mean, honestly, I think the Walker Howard thing is a little more surprising and a little more, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, it's a shot in the arm for me Yep. because it's saying this is a guy who was, you know, a five-star quarterback who is coming here. And it's not like Jackson Dart was a highly touted prospect at USC, but he's not, he was not on Walker Howard's level of evaluation and talent potential. No, I'm not a Jackson Dart guy. Yeah. I, I don't think so either. I mean, he, he did a good job, but, uh, I think this is a clear upgrade at quarterback. Um, is he going to win that job, by the way? Is that is that Rob, presumed? I think it's a win-win in the sense that Dart's probably the starter, like most likely the starter, but it's a win-win of, okay, either Walker is going to just make that room better and he wins the job, which if he's good enough, that's a win, or yeah. he's going to make Jackson Dart improve yeah. all that. Or yeah. you know, who knows what happens to the Spencer Sanders stuff. So it's like, I don't think Walker Howard's there to play this year, but if he's good enough, that's a huge W. I am fascinated by the golden hire because I don't think Alabama fans are going to be too sad to see him go. I think right. they had a lot of frustrations with him and they're, by um, way, they're wrong. They are. I, the, the thing he's is a very good coach. He's a really good defensive coordinator. They're just Alabama and they're expecting three announced on every single drive. He was, he had like, you know, like, sorry to interrupt. He had like the misfortune of being the guy who became an Alabama DC, right? His offenses were just great everywhere. Yes. So, isn't it like there's, I know it's not that simple, but isn't there a little truth to that? There is. So, and I mean, I don't know Pete Golding at all. I would imagine he is very motivated to. Looks like a great guy to get a drink with. Yeah, I know. Top tier. He actually looks porch, like you in a way, you know. Top tier porch beer guy. I yeah. I would take a salary. I would I would go play, you know, Freaky Friday with him. He's a Southern honest. Louisiana man, man. That's who he yeah. is. Um I'm very fascinated to see how motivated he is because there is that uh it it is an old trope in the SEC that if a Saban assistant leaves, it's probably because Saban wanted him to leave. Yes. Um I maybe maybe he did maybe they both sides just got a little tired of each other mm -hmm. but i think it's undoubted that he's a really really good defensive coach 
And as an LSU and a fan, young one, he's young. And as an LSU fan, it kind of scares me that Ole Miss is actually looking a little legit and not fraudy. Um, if you're an Ole Miss fan, I, man, I think you have to be on cloud nine. Well, it's a bummer because you're losing Partridge, obviously, and that Partridge is great. But it's like, I think to your point of like, who, why is he leaving? And I don't have much background info on this, but I do know it's, I've talked to so many former Alabama coaches who are like, hey, there's a, like, you usually can't work for Saban for more than four years. Like, yeah, he's amazing. You always are happy you did it. You learn so much, but you also are just like, you need to leave eventually because you're fried. You're it's just right. a hard, hard life. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's part. I also wouldn't be surprised to your point is the like Saban helps you get another job kind of thing. But I don't know if he'd do that to get you to an SEC Elaine. West rival, especially like, Elaine. Yeah, yeah like that. I don't believe like if Bill O'Brien leaves. <laughs> yes. I think that's probably what that is. Uh, and probably still expect that, but yeah, with Golding, it's not, and I wonder if for Golding's case on top of what the reasons we just said, I wonder if there's a little bit of, Hey, I'm a young coach. I'm I've succeeded, but if I want to take the next step, I need to not prove myself because he's at the best job, but like, a little bit of like be at a defense that's a more his identity. It's like it's not just like you're running Saban's defense because we've seen right. those guys. Like you're often there for like seven years before you get that great head coach job you want. Yeah, yeah. And I think this might be like, hey, if he can go at Ole Miss for a year or two and make that great, it's like, oh, you're the real deal. Like we right. really know you're great. And I'm sure that's part of it. That's human nature. So I think that, and also he's still going to be close to home, all that kind of stuff. Also, like it's going to be interesting to see what just for recruiting because Pete Golding is a revered recruiter in Louisiana, as we mentioned. Hammond, Louisiana guy, right? Yeah. He's from Hammond, yeah. right? He's, he's yeah. a Hammond guy, yeah. And like he, he is Alabama recruits well in Louisiana, and they always have. But at the same time, like Golding's a huge part of that, and I, and like Ole Miss will probably recruit decently down here even more now too. But I wonder if it hurts Alabama recruiting Louisiana. I have no idea. I'm not going to like it's still yeah. saving, but I just I'm intrigued. But anyway. I think that's like, so are we both in a place of when we're looking at Ole Miss stable, but I still don't think they're like a West contender. Is that fair? No, like, I, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I'm very happy about stability. It feels like there's yes, stability is a really good word for it. Yeah. It, it, it feels like lane. Isn't going to jump at the next job. I mean, if he you doesn't go to Auburn the future, yeah. there's probably f- five to 10 other jobs that lane would go for maybe and you know who knows uh, almost wins 10 game this year and lane gets a huge job it we're not we're talking about something totally different <laughs> yes, things change so quick i do feel like him not leaving was a surprise in a good way for all miss yeah so stability. so they're in that like stable like it's like that NBA team where they're like in year three of their rebuild and it's like they got some young pieces you know like they're, they're I, I want to watch them. They pushed the NBA champ to six games in the second round. And like, you got to really, <laughs> you got to really respect them. That's so good. Okay. Let's stick in the West then uh, in terms of, okay, where are you at with looking forward in the West and looking back on this past year of like, is, are we on the same page of Bama still until just like really proven otherwise still the head honcho? Yes. Or do you think LSU is actually like better this year? I, I think, guess they're not the same question. It could be different things. I think that Bam is still the head honcho and the deep-seated PTSD part of my fan brain uh, yeah. knows that Nick Saban is going to be m- more motivated as ever. And if he's not, he'll, he'll retire because I don't believe that he's not. Um, I think that he thinks they're being disrespected. I mean, Georgia is taking this top SEC spot from them. 
Uh, and I, I think they're the big dog, but I think LSU is, is it's a toss up every year. Now that's how I feel as an LSU fan rather every than year like, you feel that way. okay, well, for the next few years going forward. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You would hope. Um, I was going to say definitely not the two previous years. No, no, no. But like from, from this year onward, it feels like a projection of LSU is a lot closer to Alabama than they have been in the last three, four or five years. As There's like, no reason they can't be one B. Yeah. And you still have to prove it, but I mean, even in 19, you, you, you expect you, you go into that week as an LSU fan and you say, this is probably a loss. And let me try to convince myself that we're going to win. Oh yeah. You LSU fans did not believe you were winning that game until it happened. Like there no part of you was like, you knew this was the best team you've had in 20 years and yes. you didn't believe it. It was I a, I, yeah. I went to the game and I did not believe that we oh, would yeah. actually have a chance until Jamar chase was dancing on Trayvon Griggs grave uh, in the end zone. Um, so anyway, I, I and and the same thing happened this year. To be honest, I I, I mean Alabama was a fourteen point favorite, and LSU mm-hmm. looked like the better team for most of the game. Yeah, they uh, were. Which, yeah, it, it was it was wild to see that it didn't feel like a fluke. So that's one game, and everybody retools and everybody redoes stuff. And Nick Saban is the best coach that has ever coached college football. So I still think you have to give them one A clearly, but yeah, I mean the people. The people are closer behind them than ever before. Yeah. Uh, like LSU's not, I don't think LSU is one B yet. Like, yeah, of course not. They went, they went nine and three last year, you know, like let's not like be crazy, but you're right. Like they're two and A&M's behind, but like in terms of talent acquisition, they're probably two or three. And it's like, and their talent, like composite isn't that is pretty equal to Bama. You know, it's just yeah. like, there's a shrinking there's, they are not, is infallible. It used to just be like year in, year out, even if Alabama had a bad year, it was just like, yeah, but they're going to be fine next year. Like there's just yeah. no doubt. It's part yeah. of why I was so sure they were preseason number one this year. I was so in on it. And like, cause I'm like, Bryce is back. Anderson's back. Oh, offensive line should be better. And I think that's what made this year so jarring. Right. It was like, it was the first year that it's like, Oh, like they're kind of on two straight. I know they made the finals last year, the year before, but like right. even that year wasn't, really what you wanted out of Bama and it's like too straight it's like oh they didn't really like fix it right away here's yeah. here's the weird thing to me if you, if you look back about Bama um and and I, I read this somewhere but they didn't have they did not have like a game-breaking wide receiver this year oh no the fundamental flaw on, that they've had on every single other team I mean Jameson Williams that, but they, I'm sure but like you know if you look back to the finals run uh, Jameson Williams was you know, dragging everybody across the yep. field in Atlanta. 2020 over. receiving core, one of the best ever. I know. And it's just, it, it was weird. And, and they missed that. There was no, like, that was the entire flaw. Like they had no ability to take you over the top. So and it was just still like Bryce Young almost what came about what God. 10 points away from undefeated season. Like when, when Bryce Young hit that pass where he escaped about 17 tacklers uh, in Baton Rouge and hit the wide open touchdown pass at the end of the game. I thought I thought LSU was done. I was like, I can't, yeah. I can't believe that just happened. And he almost did it at Tennessee too. I mean, I know it's like the biggest. We talk about this so much on the show, David and I. But it's like the biggest bummer of like Bryce Young's like career when we look back on. It, it'll be like he won the Heisman a year that I wasn't that impressed by him. Like it was like that was a weak Heisman year. I think most of us thought a defensive yeah. guy should have won it. And then this year, I'm like, oh, you actually are the best player in college football this year. Like I am sure of that. I think he was yep. the best player, and he was hurt. The team wasn't that good. And it's like he won't be remembered for how good he was that year. So it's such a Correct. strange thing. And I it's mean, like, he's, yeah, I mean, he's a, a field goal away from beating. To, from he's two oof. field goals away from from being. 12 and 0. It's, um 
So, I mean, they have to replace him. Uh, that's, but that's going to be hard. the thing, right? It's like, do you think it's more likely that because there's a chance that like we're talking about all this. Alabama has been showing flaws for two straight years and then they lose their two best players. There's a scenario where the quarterback doesn't get figured out and they right. actually are just kind of stuck in like that nine to ten. Like That's possible. But no Real part possible. of me believes that. No, no part of me believes that. I will not believe it until Rome is burned down to the ground and exactly. there's rubble around the Coliseum. Because it's like, yeah, the other part of me is like that O-line has to get better eventually, right? And when you have that much talent and you just like tell yourself like, no, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. They're going to be good. And I do believe that. So, yeah, I. but the funny thing is, and to maybe even transition, I still think Bam is head on show, but I kind of like on what we know right now, LSU has, I'm not even sure I'm going to confidently say better, has more reason to know they're going to be really good. Than yeah. Bama does next year. Like LSU, more, they have more momentum, momentum, more known commodities. Like that entire offense, except Keishon Booty, who wasn't very good last year anyway, is back. Like yeah. everything's back. The entire O line plus more really good guys are back. Uh, quarterback, running back, receiver. Like they are loaded on offense, and we don't need to go through like because I don't want to go through every team like in depth like we just did like some of these others. But like even on defense, it's holes. Yes, plenty of holes, but also. Harold Perkins and Mason Smith are probably two of the four best players in all of defense in the country. Yes, so it's like yes. both sides of the ball have so much upside. I will pose this to you as a fan. Like, is playoff expectation or is playoff hope? Because there is a difference there. It's hope because I feel like I don't allow myself to get there as an LSU fan because it's just four teams and you're going yeah. to the SEC, which is so hard, so hard. I mean, yep. you have to get through Bama and Georgia essentially to make the playoff. And maybe, maybe you can lose to one of them and be the number four seed, but that's relying on a lot of different stuff to shake out around yes. the country. Um, like to me, if I if I have expectation, it's an undefeated season, or you go eleven and one and you win the SEC title over yeah. over Georgia. Your hopes, which uh, you it's know, hard. I, I know that LSU is going to be better this year ostensibly than they were last year. But we just saw that scenario happen, and uh, it didn't go great for LSU. So, um, it's it's yeah. playoff hope, though. I mean, I, man, they should win ten games in the regular season. That's my expectation. That is the baseline. Sounds aggressive, but like, yeah, ten is it like be. that's one you game. Be 10 and two. I think eleven and one is like the realistic like wow. that's wow. success year. You know, like yes. I don't think like eleven and one should never be the expectation, but like that's like a you did it here. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's like, I don't know, it's just fascinating because there's going to be this whole discourse all year about the ceiling versus the floor with JD yeah. Daniels, all that yep. stuff. But it's like, they're really good. And, they are. They are. and it's going to be like Brian Kelly has his talent more. Brian Kelly has more of a base. It is, it's going to be a quicker referendum on Brian Kelly because he overachieved so much in year one. Yeah. And it might be an unfair, it might be an unfair referendum. Maybe. Because it's, it's like, he's, he, he did such a good himself. job. Yeah, <laughs> you did this yourself. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Again, we're not going to go every team, but like, yep. where, where, how do you, and, and some of this can just be like pure fandom. Some can be your, your, your analytical reporter brain, but like, who next, like in your head, what's the West from there? Like, what are you most, are you, because I assume you're just like, a and a fraud. You're never going to believe them. No, yeah, you're, you're correct. Thank you. I'm glad you. Knew, I'm glad you. That's me that knowing because, you, just for our listeners. Yeah, I just I I need to see question. it. I need yeah. to see it in not a pandemic year where you know you look like garbage in most of your games and still win. Um, I just I I don't believe in Jimbo Fisher, and I think we've all seen it. Um, adding Bobby Petrino to the mix is bizarre and feels like some weird Bo Pelini stuff to me. Um, a little, yeah. I mean, it's both of these guys were great offensive minds in 2006 and see Petrino still had great offenses like six years ago but your point does stand your point I'm just saying that like it it feels like two stubborn old guys that are getting together and are going to clash and the way that this recruiting game works and the transfer portal works is that one more year of underachieving and everybody sniping at each other I mean it seems like from afar that that program was a mess and everybody hated each other and nobody had a good time yeah is that fair I mean, I don't like, I'm not going to pretend I truly know, but yeah, it seems like like they had a ton of transfers. They had, uh, nobody was having fun. Um, Be great doc in 10 years. Yeah. The most, the pressure is on for A&M, let me say, because they have created all the expectations and they have none of the results. And I mean, Jimbo Fisher, Mr. Offensive Mastermind was basically forced to bring in an offensive coordinator. Uh, I just, I see that crumbling. It feels like too much pressure, but I could be wrong. I mean, they looked amazing against LSU, of course. Yeah. So, if I'm an A&M fan, I say, well, that that that's it. But that shows you what you can be. Yeah, but I don't know. No, no, wait, wait. I feel dumb. But did did they lose uh, a chain? Um, lose him, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, he was the best player on the field that game no by doubt. leaps and bounds. So. I mean, you have to replace him. You got some great I, receivers. Yes. Wegman showed some awesome, awesome moments. Yeah. yeah. There's, some, there's a lot of exciting stuff and a lot of like, yeah. There I'm should with, be. Um, I'm not scared of Ole Miss yet, but Ole Miss. No, I mean, I'm so, I'm so fascinated about the Ole Miss Auburn uh, competition going forward because Auburn is in a weird spot because yeah, like, of, of how Harson left them. But what, you what assume is their talent level is just not coach? where it needs to be. Yeah. Right. But I mean, I'm just fascinated to see Hugh Freeze back because I feel like we overvalued Hugh Freeze at the time. We are what overvalued? You like he was so good at all this. I mean, like there could be a greater conversation about like how good of an actual coach he is, and like that's all that's that. what I'm saying. I don't but, know like, if he was he that did great so of a coach good there. Like he overachieved in every way. I know he overachieved, but I think we look back at it because it is the conundrum of something that gets cut short and you don't get to play out the string. Through his own fault, for sure. Yeah, he like, got would fired. that have actually fallen apart to like six and six? We didn't years. let him either rebuild the program and win ten games every year, or go four and seven, and then four and seven, and then we're it's like, really is he that good yeah. of a coach? This is this is it. This is the string playing out for Hugh Freeze. Uh, he he might get four years for it. Um, we'll see if he messes up along the way. I I don't know. Um, 
what, what helps his case though is that he's done so at liberty too you know what i mean yes. but like but you know it's such a good point like yeah i don't even know yeah i'm gonna leave it at that and then like just to round out the rest of the west it's like the it's such a i mean mike leach's loss is so sad in so many ways but just an extra way it's sad it's just like mississippi state was looking so stable and, and they were such a veteran team that they were yeah. probably always going to take a step back this year but now yeah. it's like oh unfortunately like you have no idea what they'll be with this right. you know the new staff arnett and all that but like that's you don't know much the real bummer for me is going to be I'm a like KJ Jefferson is one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch college football at Arkansas. He is so good. He's back. I'm so excited to watch him back. I think he's going to be amazing, but like it probably won't matter because the defense is a mess and they're losing more on defense and and Barry Odom's gone, which like we yeah. cannot Huge. under like Huge. that Barry Odom is a wizard. He is yeah. the he is. I could write books on. I don't. Know, it would be a really short book. But I was about to say. Like, <laughs> he good, but <laughs> but like there's so much like he. You could argue he's actually been the best per pound coordinator in college football the last three years. Yeah. Like he just makes not even that good teams just shut down great teams. So like Arkansas, it's going to be such a bummer that they're not going to. They're probably going to still be in that six six zone even with legitimately one of the five best six best quarterbacks to me i love him so kj jefferson is going to be one of those guys that like i saw him open for this big band and he was (laughs) he was better than the big band but like you weren't there, you weren't there in 2023 when KJ was, was yeah. running all over the it's place. It's like me and, talking about I saw it, soccer mommy open for Phoebe. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Phoebe. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's the West is weird. It's like there's only one team you know is good. There are three teams that might be really good. It's a weird, strange West. Is it, is it biased of me? I think you could say you know LSU's going to be good. No, I meant I knew you know LSU's going to be pretty good. Like you know, else you okay? You know LSU and Alabama and yes, are going to be good. You know, Bama is going to be good. I don't. I don't think any of us because we don't know quarterback. We don't know will they figure out receiver. We don't know if it will be better. We don't know the coordinators. Like I assume they're a top eighteen. Bizarre, bizarre to think that LSU. But I have no idea. LSU has a more stable group coming back than Alabama does. It's such, a and it probably sense. won't be in a year. But right no, now, yes, yeah. you're right. You're um. Right. Okay. So then, and we'll again, we're going long, but on the east. I don't even think we need to discuss Georgia. This can be, like, this can be quick. Yeah. Yeah. We know Georgia's the top dog, even though they're losing so many stars. Like, there's also so many young stars we saw this year. Like, they're going to yes. be fantastic. But just kind of like, like the West, the East is also unknown. Tennessee is not going to be the Tennessee we just saw. Like, they're going to be good. I think they're going to be yeah. pretty solid. I think the question for you and everyone is like, can they at least make sure they stay in the eight to nine win zone? You know, like, yeah. Because keep we all forget that two years ago they would have killed for nine and three right like that they would have killed for it now this year it's like if they go nine and three people might be bummed but i don't if know you can stay I, in that zone momentum's going i think i think that this year was so good for them um until the end that i think they'd be happy with nine and three i hope they I would hope so. because hope. because like that would be the most this was such an outlier year of oh my god you, you were number clear. one you were number one for a while like you look great. Clearly, uh, Josh Heupel is a great football coach, a great schemer. Um, now you have to adjust to everybody else's adjustments to you. Yeah. Um, Joe Milton. I was about to. I was just blanking awesome, on his name. Milton like looked great he also, in the game. He is such a cannon. He he's, but you just don't know. Like it's. A, well, he's, he's not going to be Milton. I mean, he's not going to be Hooker. Like no, that's a no, lot. But he's he's such a veteran too that like, True. and he's been around you know big games himself. Uh, that I don't. I have a lot of confidence in him if if I'm a Tennessee fan going forward because 
A, he played great against whatever Clemson was this year. They had a lot of talent. Like he's playing against the big dogs and he looked good and he, he, he didn't knows yeah. and he's been around. So, I mean, if they win nine games, I, I, I would be happy if I was a Tennessee fan because it projects you at that floor of eight to nine games going forward, which is something, as you said, you would kill for two years ago. So maybe the better way to frame this conversation then is. When you look at the East right now, is there anyone you think, in your just opinion, gets the 10 wins? Outside of Georgia? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Probably not. I right? don't know. Probably not. I mean, Kentucky look, look, should be better, but they're also lost Levis. Let me let me put it this way for Tennessee fans. You are in 10 times better of a spot right now than Florida, which is something that you could not yep. say for the last decade. No doubt. South Carolina's on an awesome spot right now. Like they look awesome. Everything going on there is great. Rattler come back. Nice little surprise. They they like, did lose a lot of transfers though. Yeah, right? they lost they lost Jane Bell. They lost several really good transfers. Yeah. See, so like I want I want to circle back here, Brody, because South do. Carolina is such a fascinating case to me of A, we play in a big conference, we play in the best conference, SEC, but our players get good and then they're like, you know what? Somebody else is calling me. Yeah. And I see myself t- topped out at South Carolina here. Like how does, how does Shane yep. Beamer adjust for that and figure out that way to say like, actually you should stay and we could be number five in the country next year. But, I mean, this is three years down the road, but it's true this, because when you lose parts of these foundation, you just become the same program, which they were great this year and fun and super competitive. And like, honestly, a shock to all of us. Right. Yep. No, it's like, I mean, David and I probably spent too much time on this, but it's like, it's just going to be a huge thing of like the Clemson rise was so correlated to the South Carolina fall off because they're, yeah. you know, it's the same state, same recruiting base, all that stuff. Like the second Spurrier stepped down was the second Clemson started getting all the five stars and started like in that competitive zone and, and really took off. And obviously it's more than that. It was also Dabo having time, but like it's going to be interesting just how much can Shane Beamer chip into what Clemson's able to get, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. The, I hope they can really go to somewhere great, but I'm with you. Yeah, like just at the end of the day though, they're pro- they're not a 10 win talent roster and they're pro- if they go eight and four again they also like tennessee should be thrilled so it's like i literally don't know to, our, to answer my own question i would assume nobody gets the 10 wins like i don't well, i'm Florida's not even certain even, florida should be better like as a i think whole, I, I think if florida is bad nine? i think if florida is bad they leave a vacuum for tennessee or south carolina whoever to win a lot of more That's games but like yeah. if they're good then it's a whole muddy mess behind my Georgia. guess though. Yeah. My just personal ignorant guess is like, I think it's going to be a little bit like the West this year, right. Of like a lot, everyone's good. No one's great. You know, like Florida's going to yeah. be better. They're not great. They're not winning 10 games. No. Uh, Kentucky should be better. Like they, they, they bring Liam Cohen back. They have some really exciting offensive weapons. Barry and Brown's the man, but it's like, they're not great. They lost Levis. Uh, yeah. You know, South Carolina, awesome. So much good stuff happening. They're not 10 to 11 win. Great. You just keep right. going. Missouri, you know, Vanderbilt's like going the right way. Like actually Missouri and Vanderbilt looking more and more competent each time I watch them makes me feel even more confident about this take. Yes. But like, I think it's just going to be a weird just middle group of like everyone can lose to everyone. Everyone can beat everyone and no one wins more than eight. That's my, I just, my I just take I'm stick- accepting. I just want to stick the the Vanderbilt was surprisingly competitive last year. Um, I am excited to see like having a decent Vanderbilt is really fun. I want it so bad. What's like a yeah? I'm trying to think of a good comp for that. 
Well, I mean, I, I can tell you when Jay Cutler and James Franklin were there, it was so fun though, to see like people lose their mind over losing to Vanderbilt, yeah. especially Tennessee fans, <laughs> Kentucky fans, whoever. True. It's just, it makes for a lot of really great drama from this, from this viewpoint, because Vanderbilt's supposed to be bad. And when they're not bad, it's really fun. <laughs> no, it's true. And it's like, yeah. And there's something about the way they're doing it. Like they're finding these really great development bodies that can really turn yeah. into something like I really buy it. So yeah. I like, do I think Vanderbilt ever gets to what James Franklin did? That's just unrealistic. Like that's just I insane. Think, I think Clark Lee probably, what they did. I think Clark Lee probably finds a really good job in a couple of years though. That's possible. He's a Vandy alum, which helps Yeah, just in terms so. of like, he's not going to leave for Cal. You know what I mean? Like the bar, <laughs> the bar is higher while yeah. like maybe Derek yeah. Mason would have left for Stanford, you know, uh-huh. something like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think it's going to be a weird SEC year and maybe really what all this really is, is because the transfer portal era, it's just harder to be sure of anything. It is. Like there's going to be guys who become superstars that I'm not talking about yet. And you're not talking about yet. Like there are going to be special things that we just don't know, which makes podcasting really hard, but I don't, I don't think we thought Hinden hooker was going to be that at all they were the sleepy darling as a whole there's no way i thought hinden hooker would be that yeah like i didn't hooker at times look like 2019 burrow like the way yeah. he was just dicing like yes just dialing mentally yeah so yeah i have a gut feeling it's going to be three great sec teams uh, you know alabama lsu georgia and then a weird middle group that's my feeling birdie i want i want you to give me a spicy prediction we can we can do a little uh rehash of the last five minutes club here in, in, in some way yes um what is your I, you know stay away from lsu because i i read your story which was great about assessing for next year you predicted 11 and one that's pretty mm-hmm. spicy to me yeah, but I, like, I felt really scared to do it yeah <laughs> give me something off the wall that is you know because we say like it's it's kind of open season after the after the top two and a half teams uh, off the wall it's hard because I just predicted boringness. Um, off the wall, it can be it can be as granular as you want. No, because I'm like, part of me is like, well, the off the wall is saying A and M actually just kicks ass because they are so talented. But like, no, I've, I've been burned too many times. Um, I'll say off the wall, KJ Jefferson's so good that Arkansas can figure out the way to like, you know, KJ Jefferson goes the goes to New York. How about that? Wow. That is off the wall. I appreciate. I was trying that. to go spicy and off the wall. Come on. I appreciate that. Um, What's yours? I'm tempted to say AM doesn't make a bowl again, but I don't know if I'm. I'm that's a great. I mean, yeah, it's that. a fun one. Do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that Bobby Petrino is gone by three fourths <laughs> of the way through the year, and AM doesn't make a bowl. Do you really think it's going to be Bo Pelini part two? Yeah, I do. All right. Um, yeah, I think the other one would be like, even though I'm not, I think Florida's still a ways away. The other would be like, I could see Napier just like finding a way to get to 10 wins just by like pure knowing how to coach football. Like that would be my other one. But I'd rather just go with something I believe in my heart. And I believe that KJ Jefferson is just awesome. So even right. though I think Arkansas is just not good enough, we got to pick one surprise. So let's do it. Yeah, that's it. I love it. All right. Well, Thank Chris, God. it made me so happy back podcasting with you. I know. Obviously, Anytime. we should just get- yeah, like come join me and David anytime. You're always welcome. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This is Football and Grits. Make sure you check out all the other on the Andy Staple Show feed, Power Hour, Andy Staple Show, Stars Matter, so on. Uh, and yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>